Hello, and welcome to the KC Disciples Regional Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Smith-McKee. This is a podcast aimed at sharing what we have happening in the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, here in the greater Kansas City region. Welcome back, and today we bring you stories from the Cairo Midwinter Retreat. Now, maybe this took place a long time ago, but in our memory, this is only the second year for this version of the middle school winter retreat at Tall Oaks. When I was a kid, heck, even as an adult, I've always been very excited to get any opportunity to return to camp. This retreat for 6th, 7th, and 8th graders is really just a short one, 24 hours, but it's always an exciting return to Tall Oaks. Now, I'll let you know a little bit of my bias. I was one of the people who helped to plan this retreat. I got to work with Kristen Dow of New Song Christian Church, Sarah Wolfolk of North Oak Christian Church, and Valerie Austin of Blue Ridge Boulevard Christian Church. We planned keynotes, fun activities, worship, and we gathered counselors for an exciting weekend. Well, my problem right now, how do you condense 24 hours into just a short podcast? Eh, you might have to leave a little bit out. As they say, I guess you had to be there. But my goal is to share with you a taste of many of the activities we had at Cairo Midwinter. We gathered with fun games and singing on Friday night. The theme for our keynotes was modeled after the Mission First gatherings, acknowledging the good things that we have already seen and challenging us to think further outside of that box. Kids are some of my favorite people to challenge because they accept a challenge with no fear. They think of things that we never could. So our first keynote was collaborative. We started with the story from Sarah Wolfer. every day for hours I practiced. We lived way out in the country in the middle of the sticks so I only got to see friends when I was at school. So I wanted this. I wanted this because then I got to do something after school that got me connected with other people. And I went and I tried out and I made it. And I was so excited. I was bursting at the seams, and I could not wait to tell someone. And my uncle came to pick me up, and I got in the car, and I, have you ever had news that you wanted to tell somebody and you couldn't wait? You were like so excited, and then the person that you wanted to tell the most didn't even ask you about it? And you're like, and you're waiting for them to ask you? And he didn't ask. And we rode the 15-minute ride home, and he never asked. Her story goes on from there, and it will be included in a podcast extra. It talked about how she felt included for a minute, but then excluded with that same cheerleading crew. We challenge the kids to think about inclusion and exclusion through the lens of 2 Corinthians 5. We are Christ's representatives. We are Christ's representatives. One more time. 
We are Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Listen here. Become friends with God. He's already friends with you. Say that with me. Become friends with God. He's already friends with you. Folks, we hear, we, we feel these ideas of exclusion. We feel these ideas of inclusion. And sometimes we depend on other people for our feedback. We depend on others to tell us who's in and who's out. But when we look to God, when we look at the way that Christ has brought us in, when we look at the way that God has given us a new life through Christ, who's in? Everybody. Who's out? No one. Become friends with God, for God is already friends with you. It's powerful. Because so many people think that they are left out. Kristen Dow helped the kids to process what it means to feel included and excluded, highlighting the story of a kid who welcomed in the midst of her school. Okay. So you all, right now, if we were to survey all the people on planet Earth, you all would be the scientific experts on this topic right now. So you tell me, what have you seen? As you've gone around your world, your school, your church youth group, your, the clubs that you're in, the sports that you're in, what works to make people feel included? Can I tell a little story about you? When you were a seventh grader and you, you, told, you came home and told your mom that you like went out of your way for a whole month to find somebody to sit with at lunch, you didn't have anybody else to sit with? Yeah. There's like a project for like this team that I was on, and it was like me and a bunch of my friends, like kids would like try and sit with people, and then like kids say no, and then we just like started just like to sit with like people who like didn't get sat by, so we'd like make a table around them, and then they would sit themselves. That's really awesome. And we closed out our evening with worship and a poem written by Valerie Austin. color of bright beauty and subtle lovely strokes of muted glory, vibrant life and passionate words, a clear hope and dedicated focus, deeply loyal and a well of good things to offer this world. Can you see me yet? What I could be, the life I could have, is outside the realm of what you or I or our society thinks possible of me, but when the divine set her sights on making me, when she designed my being, I was deemed valuable, good even. When God made me, God saw God's own image in me and called me good. Can you see me? Again, that poem will be in a podcast extra. You won't want to miss this. Amazingly enough, 
The kids slept through the night without issue, and then woke up the next morning ready for breakfast and, well, some energizing songs. Yes, this is audio, but trust me, our next keynoter was right there goofing around with these kids. It was our own Yolanda Roseby of PowerShift Worship Center. She was sharing a message of empowerment, encouraging the kids to think big and to trust God in the tough moments. That's what we were created. <laughs> we were created a place in this world to do good. And for every last one of us, we're here for a reason. And so there's a scripture in the Bible from 2 Timothy. And I'm reading from the Message Bible. And this is Paul talking to his protege, Timothy, trying to raise him up and, and, and to really hone on his skills so that he can do some great things. And he wrote this letter. He said, every time I say your name in prayer, which is practically all the time, I thank God for you, the God I worship with my whole life and the tradition of my ancestors. I miss you a lot, especially when I remember the last tearful goodbye. And I look forward to a joy-packed reunion. That precious memory triggers another. Your honest faith, and what a rich faith it is, handed down from your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice, and now to you. And the special gift of ministry you receive when I laid hands on you and prayed, he said, keep that ablaze. God doesn't want us to be shy with his gift, but bold and loving and sensible. And don't be embarrassed to speak up for our master or for me. Remember a few years ago, for me, when I remember a few years ago, I was talking to a young lady about your age. And I remember these words distinctly. She said to me, she said, life isn't fair, Pastor. And nothing I do matters. I'm thinking, oh, how wrong you are, you? <laughs> everything you do matters. No, life isn't fair, but everything that you do matters because you're the one that can change. You're the one that can change. How do we change you think? God has given us a gift. He's given you ideas. He's given you abilities. And we have to stir up this thing that God has given us on the inside. I look at my son, who's six years old. And this little boy is amazing. And I always tell him when he's faced with something at six, what are you faced with at six? You know, like you can't tie your shoes? I'm going to go over not getting a nap. Right. You know what I'm saying? Can't have candy or can't have snacks. But, but at six years old, when he's reading and he's on some words and he's having a hard time trying to get, I look at him, I said, get your superpower, baby. Find your superpower. And that superpower that I teach is, I taught him at the age of six is that God has given you some power on the inside. So go inside and get your power. And this is his favorite saying. I don't care if he's roller skating. When he first started trying to ride a bicycle, he would fall. He would scratch his elbow. We had to get some elbow pads and helmets and stuff. But he would fall. He would scratch the bicycle. But he would say to himself, I can do this. I can do this. And as soon as he began to say, I can do this, he starts writing. That if I make up in my mind that I can do it, doesn't matter if I'm reading a book, if I'm roller skating, if I'm riding a bicycle, if I say to myself, I can do it, something magically happens. 
the Twitter people that we have to sometimes silence all the other stuff. You guys hear a lot of crazy stuff, right? You hear a whole bunch of crazy stuff. But you have to silence it. You have to find out who you are in God. He's like, you know what God made you. Our afternoon was filled with fellowship time, a chance to hang out with some newfound friends, and several groups went on hikes, played basketball, even there was some intense board game action. Trust me, I'm not joking around about that, but nah, again, you had to be there. We did have one more keynote brought to us by Mark Bulig and Connor Hazelrig. Mark is one of the pastors at Inglewood Church up here in Gladstone, but he also has a nonprofit called Points of the Wheel that works in Haiti, the Bahamas, and the U.S.-Mexico border. Jock that I wanted to do something, and Jock said, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like, you to, I'd like to connect you with the rest of the Haitian community in Kansas City or some of his friends in the Haitian community in Kansas City. And this is a very important part of the story and the way uh, that I like to do the work that I do. Um, so the first time I went to Haiti, I didn't go by myself. I wasn't, uh, very honestly, I wasn't a middle-aged white man from Kansas City going to go fix Haiti. It was important to me that I go to Haiti with Haitians. That's the community that uh, had been devastated. That's the community that I wanted to listen to and learn from. And, that's the, and through that listening and learning, I felt like that was the best opportunity to be a real useful service to, to that community. Mark led us in a community organizing technique, encouraging the kids to think about the resources that they already had in the room. So they were asked to think about something that they could teach and then something that they wanted to learn. It was surprising who chose what, but it also showed them the values that they already had in the room around them. And that's the basis of an asset-based community development, is understanding that everybody has something to teach and everybody has something to learn. You want to form smaller communities within your larger community. And by doing that in such a way, the hope is that communities in places like Haiti will begin to, to understand that they have the capacity within themselves to do amazing things. And the hope is that Communities in places like the Bahamas and Mexico will realize they have capacity, the capacity to do, do amazing things. But the most important thing that I want to leave you with is that by working together in these ways, and for me, this is this is much, this is very much an expression of my understanding of what Jesus asked us to do. It was to work in communities together to help make the world a better place. Then Mark introduced us to Connor Hazelrig. He showed us exactly how it was that they started meeting and the problem solving that came along with their encounter. So I've been to Haiti several times and I noticed a couple of things by listening to the community and being paying attention to the community. But one of the things I noticed, almost everybody I saw had a cell phone. What's the feeling that you get when you see that your cell phone battery is dying? Like, yeah, but it's heartbreak. That's exactly right. So then, and so, so then, uh, to, to, to mend your broken heart, what do you do? You go to the wall and you plug it in, right? Because there's electricity everywhere, right? Flows like water here. A lot of people, and almost everybody I saw in Haiti had a cell phone. Hardly anybody has opportunity to charge that cell phone. 
And I had noticed this, and uh, one day I was sitting at lunch with uh, one of Connor's professors, and he was talking about this idea of a uh, solar-powered phone charger, just conceptually, and, and how that would work. And I said, well, I know where you could use one of those. And he said, well, where's that? And I said, well, Haiti. And I explained to him, everybody has a cell phone, nobody has a chance to charge it. So, so in Haiti, their money is on the cell phone. Currency in cash and coins is uh, very rare because it gets stolen. And so 80% of the country runs off money phone, or phone money, whatever it is. And so they have to walk that far every two to three days to be paid. But that's also their only opportunity to charge a phone for most of these communities that, that Mark has introduced me to. And so, so taking what Mark has given me in terms of everyone in Haiti has cell phones, but no one has electricity. We're able to develop this intrinsic value of what the cell phone means. It's not just to text the people sitting around you. It's not just to look up scores of games happening all around the world. It's not just about weather and apps, but it's about being paid. If you didn't have money, you couldn't live. And it's the same thing for all of these countries around the world like Haiti. And so I think it's about 85% of the country owns a cell phone, but only 12% have access to electricity. So there's this huge gap of people that depend on their cell phone to be paid, but they can't always charge it. Uh, and so when we went to Haiti, we talked to those people about what would be good for you. So this is the Sunshine Box. Uh, it is a solar panel cell phone charger, if you couldn't already figure that out. And so, so what this does, it has 10 ports around the outside of it to allow a community of people to charge phones on it. Um, so I was actually at New Song Church not too long ago, and New Song has partnered with me in helping distribute one or two of these to Haiti in the next year or so. So what we do is we have communities like New Song or the Church Mark Boards app, and we help get these boxes to places in Haiti to help create jobs. And so a lot of what I was able to create with this box uh, in terms of its bigger impact was through understanding that community uh, asset learning, is that we call them? Asset-based asset community development. It is talking to the people in Haiti. If my phones never died, I wouldn't know what the, like, the need is of charging a phone. So I would need to go talk to the person that said heartbreak. That's the person that understands what a phone dying means. So they're the ones that are going to have the most... To close things out, Kathy Cheek from Fairview Christian Church came up to show the kids how to make plarn. Yeah, I said plarn. That's plastic yarn made from shopping bags. When you put them together, after cutting the bags just right and with a bit of crocheting, they become sleeping mats, good for those who are homeless and sleeping out in the elements. All 40 of us worked hard to make big spools of the plarn for, you know, to be crocheted later on. It was during this time that I asked kids what they thought of the weekend. What are some of the things that you've enjoyed about camp? Making, I guess, kind of making new friends and meeting new people. I've enjoyed um, everyone being loving to everyone and meeting new people and just getting to meet new friends that are Christians and love God. You meet a lot of new people that you wouldn't have met in other camps because you all come to the same one. Because, like, for other ones, you can go to like a couple different ones and you don't see them at all. 
but for this one you see all of these people and I met a lot of new people here. Um, mainly getting to talk to new people and try new things like the sunbox. I like looking at like the wires and all the different things that um, they did to help with it. Great. What's something that you've learned this weekend? That anything is possible if you just try. I've learned a bunch of ways to help people like with getting electricity and feeding them and even like making plastic bags like into mats. That's yeah. really cool. I've learned ways, like different ways that I can help people in poverty or in any way. I've learned that anyone, any normal people in this world can make a difference. Even though we may have our doubts and we may give up sometimes, we can always make a difference in someone else's lives or our lives. That it, no matter your race or your beliefs or religions and opinions, everybody is loved by God. That's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. We heard from Allie and Jackson of St. Andrew Christian Church, Kate and Audrey of Liberty Christian Church, Piper of Overland Park Christian Church, and Emma of Smithville Christian Church. Yes, you really did have to be there. And next year, I hope that you or a middle schooler you know can be. I hope that this summer you come out for the full camp experience with information available at talloaks.org. Or maybe you can come out for the Campapalooza on May 6th, a new fundraiser that's going to be pretty interesting. But most importantly, I hope that this important ministry of our region is one that you and your church can support, that you can pray for, and that you can keep going for our future generations. Join us again next week with a check-in from Bill Roseheim, and we'll have more to come on the podcast. Take care.